You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Drinks with Johnny podcast. On this week's episode, I am joined by Tobias Forge of Ghost. Such a great band. We toured together. It was great to reconnect with him and get into a little bit uh, more of a deeper understanding of who he is and how he created this band. Really just understanding growing up through the 80s and his musical influences, his pop culture influences, everything that really creates who Tobias Forge is. We get into that and so much more on this episode. It was such an absolute pleasure for me to have this conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's just get into it, and uh, here we go. What's up, man? So Tobias Forge from the band Ghost is on Drinks with Johnny right now. How the hell are you, and where are you at? I am doing very well. I am in Birmingham, England, and uh, I'm having uh, coffee. Nice. I got I got my mug as well. Cheers to that. Mm. Cheers. What yeah, we just we just kicked off our uh, European tour here in England. So we're three days in or three shows in. Yeah, I saw uh, that you guys just did the O2 Arena. Did you you have multiple nights there? No, it's just one. Just one night. Okay. We yeah, have, we we're we're uh, because we did. Uh, several we were playing Birmingham tomorrow we did Manchester Glasgow so uh, yeah I, I think also considering everything that's going on right now in the touring yeah. business I, I think very you know not a whole lot of bands are doing like multiple double nights, nights. yeah it's been a, it's been a while yeah. since I've been out so uh, <laughs> I can't speak to that yet <laughs> yeah but it's, it, it's been a, it's been a really nice start it's really uh, almost surreal. I mean, we just came off of a, a, an American tour, so we're not estranged. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, on the road, that doesn't feel weird, but it's it's definitely uh, you know pinch pinches moments when uh, you you consider that wow, there hasn't been a whole lot of shows since last time we were out basically we we did a european tour at the end of 2019 and uh, some of our friends who are really you know in the music business they haven't been to a show since we played here last <laughs> which right. is you know that's pretty amazing uh 
Well, you so. guys got you guys got cut off on your last cycle, right? You guys were in the middle of a cycle when uh, the whole pandemic hit, and you guys had to had to swerve. Um, I think you were towards the end of it, if I'm not mistaken. But you were, you were a couple. No, years we in. we had actually just finished. Oh, we did guys, our that, last was, that was a natural finish. I, I knew that you guys had finished right before, like in what was it, like February or something like that, and then obviously everything hit the fan in March. E, it was early March. We did our oh, last wow. show in Mexico City. Mexico um, City, I love that spot. So we, it, phenomenal, and it it was uh, it was uh, the the uh, the timing was uh, insanely phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> we we just st- we just flew home from the tour, and and all of a sudden the world was closing. Wow. Um, it kind of works out though, right? I don't know about for you, but, uh, is that kind of standard for you guys, uh, or for you, uh, more specifically after a cycle, you go home and recharge the battery a little bit before you even start to pick up a a guitar or start writing another song. Usually I'm already a few steps into the production or the pre-production at least. Um, and that was, that has been the uh, the mo for um, for the last ten year that ten years. Bef- let's say from and this is two thousand twenty um, for the last ten years, basically eight years. At that point, it's been just nonstop. Uh, where the last show of the tour tour cycle has always been. I am always like just going from one Saturday into the Monday into the studio. God, you're making me feel, Tobias, you're making me feel so lazy now. Cause I'm like, every time I get off the road, I'm like, I need like two months just to like recharge the battery before I start picking anything up. Right, right, right. I think, and this is not to, uh, I mean, I, I know that most bands love each other. (laughs) Uh, but I think that, that, um, regimen, that routine is benefiting from the fact that when I, you know, when, when we said goodbye, everyone in, in Mexico city in March, 2020, it was by like, goodbye, everyone. See you in nine months. You know, I was going to go into, to make a record. So when I go from, from touring into making a record, it's not like we're the same bunch of people going into the studio. Okay. So, so, which so you, you have, know, so, I don't know. So, exactly what you're saying, how, so you're how, saying how, your band, your band that you're playing with live, is not necessarily the band that you're playing with when you're writing these songs for Ghost or or recording. No, with. no, not at all. Wow. And uh, which makes uh, which makes my routine a little bit more doable. Uh, yeah. I don't know how things are in your band, but I know a lot of bands who uh, sort of need to, uh, you know, they need to have grown up time away from each other and they need to sort of get inspired and all that stuff and i because the way i do things is not like that uh, it, it makes me a little bit more uh i i seem a little bit more um frantic in my work schedule just because i am able to do that and you know once i'm done with a record uh, uh you know i present it to the band and like here i hope you like it uh, and uh, then we start rehearsing and then we haven't seen each other for quite some time, wow. which is, um, um, it's actually quite reinvigorating and that makes everyone, um, 
obviously this was a little bit of a, a different period of time because some people had the opportunity to do a little bit of touring or do a little few things before we started. But normally one of the benefits is that everybody got to do their thing before we start, you know, because obviously when, when our tour starts, it takes up a lot of, an awful lot of time for, for everyone involved. Um, and, uh, in a normal band where everybody, you know, has to, all the stars needs to align and everybody needs to feel it. There will always be a few people in the band who, you know, might, maybe their hearts and brains are with their new project or the new thing that they want to do. Or so you sort of struggle to keep everyone motivated and happy to be there and, and all of that. So, yeah, well, you, you, you just eliminated all those problems, but, uh, you, you asked real quick or, or said you didn't know how we are. I'll just give you a little insight. We, we are definitely like best friends. We all knew each other before we got in the band together and uh, grew up in the same neighborhood, basically. When we get home, yeah. we still hang out. Like I'm hanging out literally the next day uh, off the road or even sometimes that night we're going to dinner together. Um, but we just, we separate the business part of it for a little while. We go like, okay, that was, mm -hmm. all, that was all business. Now we're back to just being friends for a couple months and then we'll get back to business, you know? That is phenomenal. Yeah, you, know, you got to you got to be able to separate it a little bit. Like if if we're a family, you know, we've been uh, we've been through so much together that like uh, you know, it it's 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 actually really interesting to me that you've been able to continue the career that you've had with uh, the interchangeable parts, right? Um, I mean, how many how many different uh, band members have you gone through from the studio or stage or are the have, has it been the same different groups the whole time? Uh, how many members? How many stage members? I don't know exactly. Fifteen, maybe. Wow, something like that. Um, but on the recordings, I've used the same drummer for most records. Um, this a guy named Ludwig, Ludwig Kenberg. Oh, yeah. um, wait, wait, his name is Ludwig, and he plays the drums. Is does he play a, a Ludwig? Yeah, I, I maybe he, he owns a, a Ludwig at home, but but <laughs> on, the, on the records he has played uh, different kinds of kits. Um, but he has been uh, he's been drumming on a majority of the records from the first one to the third one, fourth one. And uh, one of the EPs and 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 uh, stuff in the middle and, um, but never with us live. Okay. So that that relationship is sort of one standalone thing. You know that feels like whenever we get together and we're recording, it feels like a great you know here we are again. You know and that that is sort of one thing. And then the live band has always been different. Um, how do you choose your players then? How do, I mean, like you said, the drummer's the, been the same and mixed around. I mean, uh, I, how many of the instruments are you playing yourself on the record side? And then how do you choose who you're going to take out on the, on uh, on these live settings? Or is Do you have a management team that's bringing you guys and you audition them every time? Or what, what's the process? I mean, if we were to change anyone now, it would have most likely been on recommendation okay. because there's a, there, there's a definitely a combination, you know, in, in the, you know, originally I put together the, a band together was based more on proximity than ability or, 
professionality mm-hmm. and um, that will uh, end up being a problem if you're not very lucky and you sort of just end up being rushed, you know, three best friends ever just being the greatest band together as well. Uh, but that is not very common. No, it only, it only um, happened once on my book. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Um, I like, I, I tell jokes sometimes Tobias. That's what I do. <laughs> no, I, I can live with that. No. So, uh, well, basically, um, what is very important for me nowadays, and I've been trying to do this for the for the most part. From you know, I've always tried to build it. Uh, and to be clear, I mean, I I obviously look to the band first, but for me, it's the band is is a very much a um, you know the crew is very much an extension of the band, and and just overall, I'm very very picky when it comes to people and attitudes. Uh, amongst uh, you know the band and um, the crew, so that we have a very sturdy, friendly, professional um, team. For the most part, I mean, obviously, on a big tour like this, where it's like forty people, and our you know our our buses is about forty people more, even more so, and then we have two bands with us. Of course, amongst 50, 60 people. I can't curate everyone, of course. you know, but, I, but I'm very, I'm really, really trying to get people that aren't privy to, you know, that sort of, you know, bullying and mm-hmm. uh, screaming and uh, being a fucking dick. And yeah, you just want to create uh, you know, a good really environment like, out there. You just want to create a good right, ecosystem right. and a good environment, you know, you, as to the best of your ability. I think that's true. You're, you're, you're describing it in a, in a touring uh, aspect, of course, right? And, but I think that's true for a lot of jobs and, and environments in the working place. You just want to create like a good vibe because you're going to get more out of everybody if, if everyone's in a good space. Like you don't want to wake up and uh, this guy doesn't want to work with this guy because he's just fucking, he's in a bad mood. You know, it's like you got to get everybody on the same page, right? It is very important. I think that both of you, both of us know and have seen many bands across, you know, across the oceans of rock time uh, that have been, you know, uh, a miserable band with an even more miserable crew and everybody just hates their life, hate their job. And that sort of spreads like cancer and it's, very important that since we're spending so much time not only with each other but also in solitude and away from homes and loved ones and all that it's important that everybody has to the best of their ability some people wants to be alone but you know that everybody has a friend and and that you try to keep track of everyone and and try to get everyone to understand that if you have a problem, if you feel bad for any reason, even though it might feel unprofessional about speaking about your home problem, just air it rather than, uh, you know, feeling like shit for six weeks and then quit. Or, you know, it's better if you're going through this really wild thing at home, you know, but that's also like a typical thing, you know, uh, on tour. You know, someone is like, yeah, there's good days and bad I'm days. I'm not every, saying every underperforming, time. but yeah, you know, someone is underperforming for three weeks and then all of a sudden goes on raging alcoholic fucking nights. And then all of a sudden 
one week later, uh, you know, you get to know that that person is getting a divorce or something that's uh, in the middle of a custody fight. It's like, why didn't you just say that? Right. That's a good point. Well, you know, yeah. So when, when you have something personal going on, I mean, that's, you, you should be able to air it out. And the, but you got to create that environment too, right? Like that's, that's part of creating that environment. So everyone feels comfortable enough to say those things. Right. Um, yes. The other part of it though, is, uh, you were talking about like uh, the the environment can be just toxic sometimes, and we've seen it with uh, you know countless bands and countless artists. I mean, history repeats itself, right? So it's been since the mm. since the days of early touring in in the in the forties and fifties. There's always been those groups, and it sucks because it's like, well, then why did you get into this? If you're going to be miserable out here all the time, why are you here? This is not something that you have to do. This is not this. We're all here by choice at, at a certain point. No one put a gun to your head and said, go out on the road. Although it's not for everyone. You quickly know if it's for you or not. If you're going to be miserable on the road, then don't be on the fucking road. Right. Oh yeah. Oh, I, and, and even before COVID, I, I definitely had feel like moments where sentiments like that, those arose, where it's like, come on, like we're living the dream for right. lack of a new phrase to come up with. But it's like, this shouldn't be a pain in the ass. It's this should fun. not it's be supposed to be fun. It, this should be fun. Everyone paying for to see what we're doing thinks that we're having a fucking blast. I mean, I'm talking, I'm saying we as uh, uh, in plural, everyone right, uh, right. on anyone in the industry that's putting on a show. So fast forward to now in this day and age where COVID as a, uh, as what it was sort of right now behind us and touring is back. Um, you know, one of the biggest hurdles the business is going through right now, except for the, you know, war and costs and all that stuff is actually all these bands that used to come out, you know, with the incentive of making jobs of money um, because that was basically the incentive to get them back on that bus with those four dudes that they didn't like. <laughs> um, and now they, you know, they've sort of window shopped. They've done some window shopping and, and you know, bid on this tour that has been out on the market uh, rescheduled, rescheduled again. <laughs> yes. And then now as it is actually, you can tour. The problem is that you might not get all that. Right. And then no, all I mean, of a sudden, the, that's a lot of things that I, then, I think you're touching upon something, Tobias. I don't mean to cut you off. I'll let you go in a second, but I think that you're touching upon a point that a lot of the listeners or viewers don't understand is uh, the cost, the added costs that are going into making these tours happen. Um, and it's not like we're just we're just trying to, or any of the acts are just trying to make up that money that they missed for the last two years. It's not possible. No one's getting that money that they would have gotten before. And right. to your point, that's what everyone's realizing. And if you want to get out there and tour, you're not doing it for the money, right, anymore? Like for you guys, it's like, okay, yeah, we got to, you know, we got to pay some bills. It's fine, whatever. But it's not like this exorbitant amount of money, like once it's all cut down and gets back to the artist at this point, because of the added cost you guys are having to endure right now. 
Well, and the problem now is that a lot of these bands that find the bottom line not to be satisfactory, mm-hmm. they don't go out and say that, look, we're not making as much money as we wish, so we're going to cancel or we're going to postpone till the stars are aligned and the, the marketplace looks better. They go out and tell the crowd that, oh, because of safety concerns, we're not touring. <laughs> yeah. And that is a fucking horrible message to the crowd, to the rest of the business, to everyone that we're all relying on, as in all the promoters and everyone working at the venues, everybody working as vendors, all the crew members, all the busing companies, all the truck companies, all these people who just had their tour canceled just because these four, three, four, five dudes, girls just decided that the money wasn't great. And then they go out and tell, Oh, by the way, don't even go to shows because it's not safe. Wow. I didn't even know that 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 was going on. I mean, the first part of it I did, but they're actually going out and telling people not to go. I I haven't seen too many, too much of that. That sounds, I I would not want anything to do with people like that. It becomes that. That is what it becomes. If, if, mm. if one band decides to go and say like, no, because of safety, it's not safe to tour because of COVID. Of course, you're sending a message to the crowd right. that, oh, maybe it's not. And remember, we have cultivated this, this agoraphobia and this germophobia now. Right. That is now a big problem. And it takes a lot of courage for a lot of people to go out. It takes a lot of courage for people to go to show, to a show. And, and um, when, when, when one band go out and say that, Oh, we're not going to tour because of safety concerns, because the world is not a safe place because of COVID. It, it does say to the fan that, Oh, maybe that's right. So I shouldn't even go out now. You're right, though. Like I didn't that, even realize that. that, 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 that I didn't even think it. Yeah, absolutely. That's detrimental to the to the the entire ethos of touring. Like that's 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 so bizarre. I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm glad in a way that you're telling me this for the first time because I would be going off about it. Now I have to like wrap my head around fucking people saying something stupid like that. It's like, no, don't. Just here's the reality. Don't fake the funk. If you don't want to go out because you're not making the, the, the nut that you want, then just come out and say it. No one's going to judge you anymore. That's the thing. Like Everybody has no. is, is got to be real. The one thing I will say, the silver lining of all this fucking social media and everyone having a voice, which is so toxic most of the time, one part of it that I do enjoy is that it's made everyone who understands it just be themselves. You, you just have to be yourself. You can't fucking fake the funk anymore. No. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to let you go there for a second, Tobias, but uh, I'll move on. Right, right, right. right. No, I, I, I mean, I, I think that as you, you, you said it, for the most part, it's uh, this uh, megaphone that everyone has in their hands where they're able to say whatever they want to anyone at any point. And that is definitely a double-edged sword. Um, but I think that uh, as with everything, I think you, you need to uh, carry a certain amount of responsibility with it, whatever you're doing. And to go back to what we just spoke of, I just think it's 
it would be more responsible as as a part of the music industry. I know that we're talking a lot of shop here, kids. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, no, no! If, if, if they uh, didn't if they didn't show up to to hear about shop, then they didn't show up at all. So we're 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 good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But I have a lot of rum in my coffee, just so you know. So mm. we're partying. Oh. Oh yeah, I've got mm. I, th- my my coffee is definitely a bit a bit Irish this morning. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, yeah. But mine is Irish, Scottish, and all what, of the what, 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 what do you do with Swedish? What, what, what's a Swedish coffee? A Swedish coffee uh, that would be uh, <laughs> that's just a, a a typical Swedish coffee would probably be just completely black, really strong. Uh, Pour down to uh, to uh, what do you call these? <laughs> That's a really old. When you poured it out onto uh, oh, like a little, a little plate? tray like that, a, little, a small yeah. plate. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's a real term for it, Tobias, but I'm not that fancy. I don't know what the fuck it's called. I call it a little plate. <laughs> there says there's a Swedish uh, kids movie where the, where the, which takes place in the 1800s where the dad does that. He pours the coffee out like that and just. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I haven't so that's seen like it. an old. No, you can Google it. Emil yeah. in Nebaria. Okay, yeah. I'll, I, <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to uh, listen back to this to understand what you just said. But yeah, like I'll, I'll check that. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Speaking of kids though, uh, real quick, that's a, this is going to be a fun one. I was listening to you on another podcast uh, the other day in preparations for this chat because we haven't seen each other in fucking 10 years, probably. Um, and I, you brought up the shags and I wanted to thank you because after that I went and listened to the shags and you said that you mm-hmm. listened to it with your daughters or daughter. Do you have you have kids now? I do have kids. I had that back when when we were touring as well. But oh, they really? were small at that point. Now they're 13. They're turning 14 this year. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, two daughters? Yeah. Two, what's, the, uh, what's the nuclear family look like? I have a completely nuclear family, actually, I guess. We, we with one son and one daughter. Ooh. So uh, double double whammy. <laughs> and my, my daughter is, is, likes the shags. Dude, the shags are awesome. I was just listening to it, and I was like... <laughs> What is this? Why do I love it so much? Because I think you touched upon it in this in this podcast, maybe too. You were talking about this music is entertainment, right? Like if as long as it's entertaining, it's it's what it's it's doing what it's supposed to do, basically. And uh, although they're not great musicians, I will say though, lyrically speaking, like the f- philosophy of the world, I believe is the name of the song. And like, mm-hmm. it, it was, yeah, it the album co- and the song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it's the album as well. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just getting into the Shags. I apologize to all the Shags uh, out there that uh, love them so much that I don't know enough about yet. Um, the lyrics, though, I was like, okay, grass is greener. Like philo- the philosophy of the world is everybody wants to be somebody else. It's like, well, shit, that's that's not wrong. <laughs> no, but they, they, they sort of. 
they sing about what they see, right. you know, the same way that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bob Dylan would, you know, so it's like, that's a great analogy. So everyone's going to go back and listen to the shags and compare it to Bob Dylan. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. No, I, I think that, you know, and, and I, I don't want to put too many thoughts or too, I don't want to be, uh, past judgment on, on what you're going to hear. But if you, if you, uh, look them up, the shags, it's, it's definitely a strange, uh, experience. And I, I think that the concept of entertainment or the concept of being entertained is definitely, um, put on a spot there, which I think is very cool because, uh, there's, there are numerous, numerous records made, uh, that are perfectly in tune, very well organized, start to finish, well sort of arranged songs that does nothing. So boring and means jack shit. And then you have this record that is none of what we just spoke of. Uh, <laughs> in it, such I a mean, beautiful it, it way, though. In such a beautiful way, though. It's like, it's, I loved it. I loved listening to it. I, you, you, you described it similarly on this other podcast, and I was like, well, now I got to go see what the fuck this is all about. Like, I got I to gotta know what this is. And it's, it's beautiful. It's like the drums don't make any sense. They're not really drums. Uh, I mean, they're the instrument, but they're not really played. The guitars are kind of there. But I will say the vocal melodies and harmony were like kind of on. I was like, okay, that, how did you make that work? I was actually really intrigued on how you made that chaos work. Not you. I mean, they, obviously. No, they, they. I mean, it, but that is, that is what it feels like. It feels like they just went into a room and picked up instruments for maybe the second time in their life. Yeah. Without having heard a single rock and roll tune ever. <laughs> and they just played whatever came into their heads. And obviously, I don't know if they're just siblings or if they're like twins, triplets or something like that. They look very much alike. But it, because they they seem to have some sort of intu intuitive uh, thing where despite the chaos that they're sort of playing, uh, they still sort of sing in unison and they're these quite hard songs to, I mean, I can't, I mean, I'm relatively musically, uh, I, I can love, play. I love that you're saying you're relatively songs. musical in one of the biggest bands in the, uh, uh, touring right now. So that, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, but, but also from like a, from a, from a point of view where if, if you, if you were to, to, uh, you know, play me a song on, on, on a, a recorded track, uh, if it's like a normal song with a, with a verse and a, and a pre-chorus and a chorus, unless it's like something really proggy or like contains like weird, weird chord changes or very jazzy or something, I can pretty much like after three minutes, I can just take a guitar and I can play it a rough sketch of what the song, how, how it's been, how it, it's uh, okay, so laid out. Musical. With, with, I'm pretty good at, at, <laughs> at that bit, sort of understanding like, Oh, I can, I, if I hear a, a, a a typical radio song, I can hear, you know, right. know what the chord sequence well, for, is. For and a I lot of people, of, oh, that, okay, that's, yeah. for a lot of people, but, that would but, be very but, foreign. That would be very foreign to a lot of people. Your, your le left right. side of the brain thinking there. I love it. But Shags is hard to comprehend what they're doing sometimes. 
And but they do it in unison and they do it together. So there is this. Are they recording and that's live? Why did they most, record those live? That's what I want to know. Like, like, how did they do those I don't in know. unison? We're gonna have okay. That, that's. I'm gonna find out whoever made those records or anyone close to it, Tobias. If you're down, if I if I do my research and find this and actually am able to reach out to anybody who knows how those recordings were done, would you hop back on and co-host that episode for me? Sure, absolutely. Because <laughs> we got to get to the, the bottom of that. Still alive. Well, let's get them on. I think that the let's, sisters let's are still alive. Let's, I'll, I'll I'll do my yeah, research. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to try and get them on. Would you be? Would you be? Would you want to talk to them, or you just you want me to relay the message after I talk to them? I'd love to talk to them. They they seem. I mean, they've made. I wonder if they're aware of their legendary status and what they've actually done. And I mean, one thing that they you know. Uh, their, I, I guess one of their biggest um, recognitions was the fact that Kurt Cobain was such a fan of theirs. Oh, really? um, See, again, I didn't know any. I have not heard of this band at all, or this recording act, whatever the fuck you want to call it, at all, until I was doing research for this episode. So I was like, okay, this is fucking awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm such a fan already. I've heard like three songs. I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. There's another one that like yeah. had such a positive message. All you kids at home, you should go listen to the Shags uh, sing about their parents and why they are the best and they're the they they care for you more than anyone else. Because I, that's one <laughs> that that was one of the messages I got away from that one. Good, <laughs> good, good, good. No, but I love to talk about them and especially with them or anyone who has any sort of knowledge. The only thing I know about the record is basically what is what it says on the sleeve. Uh, and that's basically that, that these girls were playing. Wait, you actually have a fraud. record? You have a record of this? Do you, you have a... Yes. Yeah, I don't have the actual original one. The Because this the story goes, from what I gather, what I remember in my head at least, is that these three girls were siblings, and they liked to play music, and their father uh, sponsored a recording. And that's basically what it sounds like. It sounds like he just brought them into, you know, the equivalent of Sun Records in town, you know, right. pay, you know, uh, $10 per song or something. And just like, they, there you go. And they went out with a record on the, you know, four hours later. And uh, then he pressed it as a record uh, that's, you know, that has been pressed for, I, I don't know exactly how many copies, but I would have, what I was assuming it would be 500 to 1,000 copies or something like that. Yeah, and if Some, you find something, something ever, small, if you, something small, something small like that, if you ever found the original, it's a very pricey record. Um, it's a very rare record, but it's out there. You can find it. Wow. Uh, however, it was repressed. The, the original is from 1969, I believe. Yeah, 69. And that's what we, I saw on Apple Music when I was listening to it. So, <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the repressing is from 1980, I believe. So the 1981 is the one uh, that's that's pretty easy to find that will set you you know it would cost you 30 bucks or something like that it's it's not a it's not a really hard record to find um, and that would be the the addition that sort of brought them out to all the indie um, the re-release would definitely be the, the record that uh, all the Michael Stipes and Kurt Cobain's and all of you know uh, Thurston yeah. Moore Scott and in the 80s and then 
you know, because it does, you know, it's, if you if you like Sonic Youth, you know, it, it it's sort of in the same it is wow. sort of uh. noisy sort of pop realm. Um, but from the sixties, uh, but, but, but from the late sixties, <laughs> but from late sixties with the band. We're, we're getting a little freeze frame. Never heard. Got a little freeze frame again there. Oh, sorry about that. Mm. You don't need to apologize. It happens. We'll we'll get through it. Um, so, are you a record collector? Do you collect vinyl? Because it sounds like you have a, a have a pretty good knowledge of of the uh, of these pressings. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know. You, uh, yes. Generally, I uh, I am I am a record collector. I I know quite a lot about records. Uh, I have friends who know more, so I always sort of place myself a little bit like I have a great record collection, but not the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot, but not most. Um, there are a lot of things about typical collecting things that the collecting uh, collectors items that I definitely need to triple check every time. Uh, some people know every pressing of the Beatles and stones and all those sort of major rock bands. Um, that's really hard to remember all these. If it's a second, third or fourth or fifth or sixth pressing of 1966, or if it's like, there's so many, if you go down the, 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 the well of, of classic rock, it, there's definitely a whole lot of, things you need to know uh whereas a lot of the things that i've collected over the years has also been you know extreme metal death metal black metal and stuff like that and then it's very simple it's just like one original pressing from 1989 (laughs) and then there's the repressing from 1980 you know from from 2000 and yeah which actually keeps them pretty rare (laughs) yeah like keeps them pretty rare though too right because you're not probably going to get a second pressing of of a lot of those things no, I'm, I'm also, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, when it comes to metal, I'm very, um, sort of anal. Uh, I only sort of like old, especially when it comes to extreme metal, death metal, black metal, trash metal, all that stuff. It's just the 80 stuff well, until like the early nineties. And then after like my cutoff point is around 1980, 1994. And then after that, I'm Dude, like that is so funny. That. that is so funny. I'm, I I very much agree with you. I think that uh, most of is this will be funny for a lot of listeners to hear us talk about. But I I feel like most of good metal was already done. You know, like the way that they did it. They or it's kind of like saying the Beatles already did it, right? Like they already did such like Metallica already made thrash so fucking amazing in the eighties. And then they went and polished mm-hmm. it for the black album. Like they, like this, this sound has already been done, and they, it's been done to perfection in those eras that you're talking about. So what do you do now? You do something like Ghost is doing, like what you're doing. It's complete. It, you're taking aspects of it, but it's it's a whole new genre, in my opinion. I've I've always loved you what you do because it sounds completely fresh. I, I hear, you know, between you and I and, and probably a lot of other people who are in the music industry, I hear where your inspirations come from. I hear those riffs. I, I know what that is, but you do such a great spin on it that it, it creates it to be this absolutely new thing. 
Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Ghost has always been like a mix-up of, it's like a mixtape of my, maybe not my entire record collection, but many of the things that has been, that I've held dear over the course of my life. Right. Well, so, wait, so what, where are some of them? those? What are the, some of those? I mean, I'm sure you've answered that. I'm, I don't. I don't mean to be the typical questionnaire here, but like, how big is your record collection, and what are some of your favorite uh, albums in it? The thing is that I, I was fortunate to grow up in a home where it's a complicated story, but it, but I have, I have had, in to, a totality of six siblings. Uh, I have four now two of them are dead unfortunately oh, i'm sorry uh but it's a it's a mixed bag of um i have two younger siblings uh so a little little brother and little sister uh who's 35 and 30 so it's like they're <laughs> they're wait wait, wait. are you little. telling me you're are you telling me you're older than that uh yes i am wow i'm 41 you're 41? Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, kudos to you for uh, looking younger than me because uh, I'm actually younger than you, but I, I guarantee you no one would guess that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, no, but, it, but so it's a, it's a mixed bag of, of, of that and uh, adopted brothers and sisters. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a complicated story. But the one that my brother who I grew up with was obviously the closest and uh, because of him and his friends and, and everything that that sort of um, youth culture that was that was uh, ever present, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and also like the the very liberal um, hand of my mother who 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 you know was not privy to uh, to uh, censorship or or to to, uh, she was not a religious woman or anything, so everything was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I was exposed to a lot of music and a lot of TV, a lot of films, and um, stuff that that really had a big impact on me. Um, and also gave me, uh, you know, a lot of. In, in this case, it turned into inspiration uh, at, a, at an early point. And, and, and also because of my mom, who was also interested in, in music. And, you know, obviously, she was, um, she was born in the 40s. So, so her music style was, you know, jazz and rock and blues from the 50s and 60s, a little bit from the 70s. But so on one ear, in one ear, you had like Beatles, Stones, and and uh, uh, Janis Joplin, Henrix, and uh, Bob Dylan, and all that stuff. And on the other hand, with my brother, uh, he was just a fan of a lot of the things that, you know, that was contemporary at the time, I guess, mm-hmm. and, and stuff that he grew up with. So it was everything from punk with Sex Pistols, Damned, Clash, all that stuff, combined with Rainbow, Motorhead, um, Rainbow, and I love it. You brought up Rainbow. Like, you know, all that kind of ACDC. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a, a lot of um, the, uh, at the time, radio music that was going on in the 80s. 
Um, well, like, and, like, like, um, that, like the new wave, the pop. I mean, you had uh, what, what were some of the bands in the eighties that, that that you would that you would be hearing in the pop radio? Like Duran Duran, Michael Jackson was ever present, obviously. Oh yeah, Prince. Prince, um, of course. Yeah, I remember. I have a pretty. Uh, I have the funny thing is my memory is actually quite full, so I have a hard time getting new things in. But I remember a lot of my childhood. And I, I remember, you know how sometimes people are like completely, like everything before a certain age is just like a blank. Right. Whereas, yeah. whereas I have very vivid memories of like our old apartment. I have I, more memories than I can count in my, the first apartment where I was born or where, where we moved to just after I was born. And we moved out, out of there for like in, when I was three years old. So that early, okay. And, you, you've you've even got me beat, Tobias, because I I have this argument or not argument discussion with my wife, who is like how you described a lot of people who have like a blur of their childhood. I'm I'm more like you. I remember like a shit ton from my childhood, and actually more shit came up in the last two years that I had forgotten about, to be honest. Mm. And it's like it's it's pretty remarkable to talk to other people who don't remember those things. So I only bring that up and only mean to uh, discuss that. A little bit further because I think I find that that's very rare when I talk to more and more people and it's really it's really comforting knowing someone like yourself that has that as well as I do of like yeah I remember I remember fucking what color the car was when I was being dropped off at, at, at kindergarten I remember the tape deck what it looked like I remember the inside I remember the outside I remember that there was three different cars because one of them was a junker and it was constantly in the fucking, you know, and I was what, five years old at the time. I remember everything about that. And I think like to mm. your point, like you probably have a lot of those memories as well, right? I do. And the thing is that most of those memories are anchored to, um, for lack of a better phrase, like pop cultural um, happenings. Right. I remember, um, certain things because they're they're they are framed with um whatever was going on on tv at the time or what what the parents were talking about like a certain um happening um politically or or in the world uh, i remember seeing films i remember you know when they came out i remember you know when my brother and his friends were talking about the new prince record uh, you know, which, which was Purple Rain. And and um, I remember because also there was a one, one major factor of my upbringing that I really need to underline. Most of you people who are not from Sweden won't know about this, but there was this magazine called OK, and which was the fucking greatest magazine ever. <laughs> And, and it's not—it's not the OK that we know of today, is it? Isn't there an OK magazine with the explanation mark on it? Is that the same one? That's not it, right? No, this this was uh, a magazine that came out in Sweden between 1980, and uh, it might have stopped in the 2000s. Um, but but it's uh, the the when I read it, it was in the 80s up until 1992, maybe uh, maybe 1993. I have a few wishes that I might have bought at that time, but. Um, I, when I started reading it, it was when my brother, uh, had it at home and then I, you know, bought every issue. It, it, I think it was a buy 
what do you call it, bi-weekly, right? Like it came out every other week or something like that. Yeah, bi-weekly. That would and be it was just, yeah. and, and it, it, it's just like this fantastic cultural uh, magazine that sort of encapsulated everything that was going on at the time if you were a teenager. So, and so what, what were some of the, would, what were some of the mag, what were some of the issues that you can remember right now that were like standouts to you? Well, I was always, uh, my, my favorite thing in the world when I was a kid that my brother sort of brought home, even though it wasn't his favorite thing, but he liked it was the heavy metal part of everything. I always liked heavy metal. I, you know, I, I remember he, the first record he gave to me was, Technically, it was Love Gun by Kiss. Nice. Uh, but I remember he came home with Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry. And nice. he, he sort of gave that to me because I liked it even more. That's and, rad. And I remember he liked Wasp. He, he, bought it. he actually won a competition in OK Magazine where he got a Wasp record. So in one, if you... If wait, wait, I'm sorry. Your brother, your brother won a competition in this magazine that you loved. Yeah, so there's one issue of that magazine where it says Sebastian Forge, uh, a winner of the Wasp competition in 1984. Um, year I and, was born, uh, right here. <laughs> yeah, are you born in 1984? I was born in 1984, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, Motley Crue was also huge at the time. It was like uh, Shout at the Devil was also like one of my favorite records. So that was my big introductory year that I remember very, actually vividly to, to whatever extent you can remember things when you were three years old. But I remember that, you know, the power of, of, of those bands, how they made me feel. And that was always my thing. And whenever he came home with a new issue of OK, I always got the posters that had hard rock and heavy metal stuff on it. Because he wasn't like a poster person that I was, you know, he had mm-hmm. maybe a few posters. Uh, but you, he you, always was your gave wall, me every, Were your walls in your room just covered with all these posters then? Is that, completely, completely. Awesome. I had all the way, and, and, and that's, uh, you know, what my room looked like up until I was 20 and moved away from home. I had posters everywhere. Do you and, still have uh, any of them? Know, like, did, did your mom keep, I, I gotta, I'm asking this for myself. I, I had posters and pictures up on my walls, like crazy as, as, as you did. And I'm, I'm yes. regretting now that like my mom, like when I moved out was like, Oh, do you want me to save any of these? And I think I told her no, but I think she did anyway. I need to ask her if I could have some of them back. I have almost everything I've ever had. I'm, I'm a complete hoarder. <laughs> I am uh, very much a uh, uh, some of the stuff that I had when I was really little. I've had to find again um, over the years, um, like better copies of because I I know that I had them and they you know over, over the course of moving them around or or moving uh, they got trashed. But you know, okay, posters you can't they are not too hard to get a little bit later i and this is quite uh weird because we weren't tremendously well off at all um but in the later 80s i i discovered metal hammer and you could buy import issues and even before i could read english i sort of saved up and bought metal hammer magazines just because i wanted the posters 
Um, but I couldn't read them. Uh, I sort of tried to learn how, to, but they were also, a lot of them, some of them were actually German. I don't know German to this day, but a lot of them were written in, in free. Uh, you know, it's, it's very British English. Right. Well, it was just, which is very cheeky. It's very cheeky. Anyway, you just learn American English. It's, it's, it's way more chill. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I struggled to read that even, even later, you know, a lot of that, but I sort of sat there and looked through the pictures and I found a lot of bands that I liked through there and, and all those posters that I got from those magazines. And yeah. Wait, so, so, so uh, obviously you, you born and raised in Sweden and, and, uh, you just touched upon you didn't uh when did you learn rather to read english and when did you start learning english because it's always been something that i'm very curious about as an american like you kind of learn a few things like they have extra classes and like a very small amount of people actually learn it but i've always i've always been told rather that every other country is learning english and i'm not sure that i believe that i just want to know when when it was that that became part of your curricular um, it becomes a part of your curricular and I think it changed now because my kids are in school. Mm. We started learning in fourth grade. I think that they started learning in third okay. now. Um, my kids spoke, especially my son is, was actually quite fluent in English by the time he, he started learning in school. Uh, I know that this is how my memory works. So bear with me. Okay, I know good. that I was, I was in Greece with my mom and brother in 1987. At the time when I was six years old, I know I was struggling with English at the time, but I could make myself sort of understood because I went around and, and, and I, I know that I sort of spoke just about enough to sort of make myself understood. But I know that when I was 10, I was someplace we we were in Spain I knew I spoke English at the time because I was playing with English kids or American, maybe they were. Mm -hmm. And I, one of my best friends when I was in third grade was actually American. His name was Kyle. <laughs> Shout out to Kyle. Uh, Kyle do Williams. You, do you still, yeah, are Kyle you still Williams. in contact with this Kyle? No, unfortunately not. Oh, but you do have that and, memory uh, that you remember who your best friend. I have, I have a best friend that was in kindergarten to show that memory as well. Uh, Kent Mori. Shout out to Kent Mori as well. Yeah, not in contact. Kyle Williams, <laughs> if if you're if you're hearing this, <laughs> yeah, hi. <laughs> yeah, we'll just put that up. Uh, that's gonna be the clip out for social media. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody. He should be. Uh, I think. Yeah, about my age now. Yeah. Well, he would he be about your age. California. <laughs> he lived in California. Uh, well, hey, you know, dude. By the way, I just I, as a side note. I'll, your entire story that I'm hearing right now, I don't know if you realize it yet, but you just became my best friend because your story is so similar to mine with like having older siblings that brought you music and stuff. Like when you're, when you're describing some of those albums, I had those on tape cassette from my brother who had moved on from metal and became a big pop fan. So I had all of his old records. I had, I, my record collection is full of my grandfather's jazz and classical stuff mixed in with my mother and father's rock world and pop world that that's in there. And I have like, I mean, you can't see it now, but there's, there's this whole fucking thing over here that has a shit ton of records over here. And none of them, which I purchased myself, which I love. 
But uh, hmm. anyways, I digress. I have to ask about the about your brother though one last time though because you said he won a wasp competition. What is this? Co- yes. How do you win a wasp con- competition? What is that competition like? In that magazine, it was uh, there was magazines. Uh, there were there were uh, there were competitions and lotteries and all that stuff all the time because they they were. But, but, but how do you music. win that? What, what's the, what's the competition? I guess is more more or less is what I'm asking. Like, what you is wrote that? a letter, you wrote a letter. It, it was probably uh, write us a list of something or send us the right answer to this question. You remember this is 1984, right? It, it, you know, you, everything was snail mail. Everything was you 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 wrote a letter, posted it stamp send and then you know in this case it was probably what's the name of you know blackie lawless how do you spell his last name or something i don't remember i have the magazine was, if i if i were home right now i could probably check whatever it was i can just check the previous number and see what the what the but i don't remember exactly what the what the actual competition was about and then you had a ton of you know 14 year olds that sent in like his name is Michael Lawless or something like that. And it's spelled like this. And, oh, okay. So uh, it's, they, it's, it's, you know, it's much like the competitions we have today, but they, it just takes a little longer. It's like, can you answer that? And then as you and I know, when we do comp or, or contests for fans and stuff, and then you just like swipe through and go like, all right, you. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably because of, this is how cool. Um, yeah. Okay. Was it, it was probably a question like, they have a song called Animal Bleep Like the Beast. What is the word underneath the bleep? And all the kids were like, fuck. <laughs> because they were all about, this is the thing. If you picked up an issue from like 1986, it would be like, you know, remember the series V? That would be like the front cover. And, and then you would open it up and it would be like Michael J. Fox at home with Michael J. Fox. And then you would turn, it would be a big Bon Jovi spread. And then you would turn, it would be like, oh, here's this new band from, from, um, from the U.S. They're making headways, you know, Metallica. And then from Germany, this, this other little band called Halloween or Creator, like something like that. And Ooh, then the Halloween. next page would be... I'm jealous that I'm jealous that you guys got Halloween early because I didn't get Halloween until yeah. much later. It didn't, it didn't make it across the pond until much later than that. Right. No, we obviously they were German thrash and all that stuff was was big in, in in Europe. But and the next page, and this is where it got you know really funny for for us really young readers. It would be a big, you know, uh, topless Samantha Fox reportage. Wait, 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 like, wait, wait. Okay, now I need to see more of these OK magazines because now I'm thinking about like it was like the th- like pop culture meets Playboy is what you're describing to me now. That's pretty much what it was. How that is this not a magazine anymore? I mean, well, no one's doing paper anymore. But how is that? This, this, need mag- this, this magazine would have been would have been canceled immediately. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, and I, I unfortunately I must say that this is one of where. If you read it now, there's definitely like elements that was like. Did you ever Ooh. read? Did you ever read Mad Magazine? Did you ever see Mad Magazine out there? Yes. So, uh, is there it was, similar? I, I was never as as. 
similar, but with this was more like a, a tabloid uh, cross section of of not what was going comedy. on in pop not cultural. Not as much comedy. No, okay. It was uh, there was a lot of comedy, and everything was sort of written tongue in cheek, um, and very but a very tabloid esque. So a lot of the reportages would be about um, a lot of reports would be about like um, uh, Rob Lowe. Um, here is his new love, and here are pictures of other of his other conquerings, and <laughs> and then it would be his you know then you, yeah, and there would be yes. pictures of this, that, and the other, and and, and uh, but that was definitely like the source you know, back then where, you know, they would be like, this is the Madonna that you know right now. And it's like 1988. Right. But this is what she looked like 10 years ago. And it would be her like news. Front oh news. my God. This and is that, a brilliant you know, that, magazine. That was that in that a is, picture. It does not work. Uh, I mean, I don't even think that works 10 years ago, let alone today. Like that's, <laughs> that's some next level shit. I love that. You got to show me sometime in our in our passings, I gotta see more of this magazine because I'm fucking in love with it already. My, uh, speaking of uh, our kinships, I have my grandfather uh, has a collection of Playboys. My late grandfather, he has Playboys from when from the '60s that I inherited. That like are just like I have a box of fucking all the magazines from like the '60s all the way through the '90s. I mean, it's like. I just have them like you don't look I mean now with the internet you don't really look at them the same way now I look at them like fucking just nostalgia I'm like this is amazing this is amazing that this happened in life like this was the pop culture you know now you're I mean? the one cutting out I'm sorry oh I'm sorry I was just talking about playboys and you know I'm right. yeah I, and, <laughs> yeah and I I must say that just 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 to be clear to anyone listening uh the the major amazement about that you know uh, magazine was not necessarily the amount of nudity and, right. and the explicit nature of it. It was the fact that it was so uncensored and the mixture of everything that you could read about a band like one of the reasons why I I, I was such a young devotee of the band Candlemass, uh, who are now obviously like close friends of mine, some of my best friends ever. But I became a fan of Candlemass already in like late 80s because they were in okay. That's why I know now that they were in okay because they knew one of the photographers working for okay. So, but th that's how broad that magazine were. They, they would cover everything from Alphaville and Aha and all that stuff that was like completely like the biggest mainstream stuff, but down to anything local, metal. And they would do like they they had like a black metal special and also like in 1984 with Merciful Fate and Venom and Slayer and um, seems uh, like a you very know, stuff eclectic like magazine. It was it was the fucking greatest and and I must say that if 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 anyone would love to have like a as I said like a cross section of all those cultural things that I was talking about looking okay have right. a look in that that's basically my childhood. And everyone, go um, read it for the articles, not the pictures, right? Not the pictures. Those are not okay. <laughs> not, not Nowadays, they're not okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the magazine would be called yeah, Not Okay like Now. Oh, let's, let's start a new magazine, uh, Tobias. We'll call it Not Okay, and we'll put all that shit in there. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. Oh man, I no, got it. But, but as a yeah. No, I was I was gonna say. Uh, we only have so much time. I can't wait to hang with you in person, because I know that's going to happen. Uh, but before before I send you off and stuff, there are, there are some other things that I had to talk about. You, you, you talk about the entertainment value of music, and, uh, and it is just being, you have whatever you want to listen to, right? It's all eclectic. It's all, if, it, if it entertains you, that's, it's doing its job, right? Um, to that point, though, what what are some of the other things that entertain you? Uh, you know, we talked about the magazines. We brushed upon a little bit of movies there, and I know you're a horror fan, but I also know, like me, you're a guy who really enjoys comedy, and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think that of you or I. You know, it's like, oh, it's all doom and gloom. That's how we live our lives. It's not at all, but, you know, we like that imagery. What are some of your favorite fucking comedies? And, I mean... They could be the satire comedies, the West, uh, uh, what's is it, Wes Andersons of the world. I consider that straight comedy. A lot of people would say that it, it's mixed genres and whatever. I'm like, that's comedy to me. So what what are some what are some of the comedies you enjoy? Uh, I mean, classic stuff is is um, again. I mean, it's not even very eclectic. If you just go back to the '80s, a lot of the things that I grew up on were, uh, you know. A lot of that sort of Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor stuff has right. has had an, a, a tremendous effect on me and it influenced me a lot. Um, their movies or their stand-up or both? No, but both. Both. I mean, Raw was like fucking <laughs> classic. Dude, anyone, uh, anyone who grew, who, who's like just born now goes back and watches Raw, don't understand it. But like that shit was fucking fire <laughs> like, it's so yeah weird. i i love it and 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 i know i mean obviously now in the modern day you know you, you're sort of like you, you're not supposed to i don't know what what to i don't mean to derail what, this part what, of if it, it's but okay I really hope, for anyone but i don't mean to derail this but I, I i have to i have to speak on that real quick i really hope that we're getting back to a point when not everyone gets canceled or deleted or whatever like because we have to as a society, get past that. Like, I understand everyone can be offended, and I don't mean anything like that, but we got to have thicker skin, man. You got to be able to understand when there's a joke and when there's not. Like, this understanding of, like, oh, they said something, and it, that's, that's who they are and how they're... Dude, if I fucking walked around with a camera and a, and a videotape of anybody in this fucking world and just yeah. put out snippets of what they fucking said, we'd all look horrible. So stop like pretending like you've never said anything bad. I'm talking to you on fucking social media, by the way. Stop pretending like <laughs> you've never said anything bad in your life. Like you don't need to cancel everyone. You don't need to fucking do this. Comedians are allowed to make jokes. If they can't make racy jokes, then fuck. What is, what is comedy? That, to me, that's what comedy is. Like how can you be funny? It's like the South Park uh, fucking thing, uh, judging forward of, uh, uh, of uh, what, what's his name, Jimmy. Because he's got the safe comedy. It's like, safe comedy? What is that? That's not comedy anymore. The whole point of it is to point out the stupid shit that we fucking do, people. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to really have a straight line there. Because, as I said, I, I grew up um, in a very mixed, with a very mixed bag of, of, of a lot of things that might have aged poorly right 
Um, well, we and I guess I guess Raw would be one of those that would be looked upon uh, with uh, you know judge with judgment now. Um, but I loved it. I, I I so stuff like that. But you know, a lot of the comedic um, groups of people that I liked would, you know, obviously I grew up with Monty Python, Monty Python, Monty Python, and, uh, dude, you know, and the Holy Grail. What a great fucking movie yeah. that one was. And Peter Sellers, Peter uh, Sellers nice. you know, uh, Pink Panther, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, James Bond later in his life, he actually got to play Q. Yeah. That's a, that was amazing. Chevy Sheets. Chevy, Chevy Chase, Chase dude. Chevy oh, come on, Chevy man. Chase. Chevy Cheese. I was, Chevy I was Cheese. Combining that with, I was combining that with John Cleese. John Cleese stuff. You just you just made a, a, a meld of a perfect actor comedian right there. <laughs> Chevy Cheese. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can even go on a long tangent why I think that Benny Hill was a fucking genius. But people don't, people just remember his... You're not allowed... Uh, yeah, because you're not allowed to girl. like him. Exactly. You're not allowed to like that scene. But that scene was iconic. It was so iconic that in the... I mean, that happened in the 70s. When you and I were probably watching it in the 80s, that was all syndication. It was that popular that they had syndication and people were fucking paying money to well, see prob- Benny Hill. But the problem is that people just remember him chasing girls. And that was Man. not the funny... That's not where he was the funniest. The, the, when he was most brilliant was when he was doing uh, songs or mm-hmm. uh, when he was doing skits. And, and he did a lot of trick filming that was really funny. And and I think that a, a lot of those things are things that I treasure and that, that really influenced me. And, and, and I have always been a very laughing person, if you will. I've always had a... Uh, I've, I've always... I'm... A laugh is always accessible for me. That makes sense, mm-hmm. and um, and I uh, I like it, you know, humoring even the the sad things in life and all that. And uh, so, just to sort of grasp back at what where you where you started, although although that both of our bands uh, are are sort of embracing the doom and gloom of of the darker forces of nature, I guess darker forces of of the world and the life. Uh, I'm actually a quite joy, joyous person and I've always been, I've always been a very, very big fan of comedy and, um, and, uh, just humor in general. My favorite com- com- comedy outlets right now and has been for the last 10 years is actually a, a Swedish artist called Jan Stian the Muck, uh, who, no, you. That's the thing, and, and it's so sad that he hasn't sort of reached beyond the borders of Sweden because his his uh, art is basically you can. I don't know if there's anything that's translated. His style is basically he he takes an old picture of of from some sort of catalog from the 1950s of someone like a woman who's like doing okay. that, and then there's a funny line underneath. That completely makes the picture be so hysterical. So he's like memeing. Uh, he's like memeing on 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 stuff. Uh, it sounds yeah. And 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 every year he releases a book filled with these memes, basically. Okay. And every time I read almost anything that he's ever done, he's been active for thirty years. Shit, Everything. Man. If I if I start reading his stuff or looking at his pictures, 
it gives me a, it, it, it literally pains my side because it's like, I, I will, I can't stop laughing. So I've, early on when I, when I still, when I didn't have a driver's license and I was still sort of commuting and doing things like that, it was almost like a rule. Never buy one of his books or start reading it at the subway because I will, I will start laughing so hard that I'm, I'm going to make an ass of myself. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. So you can check it out. I would, Jan, lo- I would J- love, I would love to see you yeah, reading J- one of those. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Say J-A-N. J-A-N. So it's John J-A-N and then Stee on the mic as our old uh, uh, slalom uh, skier. Okay. Stee on mic. Stee on mic. S-T-E-N-M-R-M-A-R-K. Stee on the mic. in post on the video right now, not for those on the audio, but in post in the video, I'm just going to have it. We're going to spell it out and fucking put a link to it because I got to yeah. check this out too. But I, what I really yeah. want to see though is when we were on tour together with the Deftones in the States, uh, I want to see your original Pope and skeleton face cracking up to this by the subway. Cause now I just like, you put that image in my head. Let's go back yeah. to a little bit of that though. Like I, 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 I apologize for trying to be humorous there, but uh, let's get back to uh, that time. What was it like for you? Cause I remember the first time I met you was actually before that tour started. You guys did, uh, it was somewhere in LA and on the, on the strip. Um, you guys did uh, one of your shows and Tom Wally and Andy Oliphant, who were the original people that signed Avenged to Warner brothers and still very mm-hmm. good friends of ours uh, was were the ones that told us come check that check out this band Ghost. And later on, we would tour together. I also urinated in the bathroom next to Dave Grohl, but didn't have the balls to say hi to him. But I said hi to you after the show. And uh, mm-hmm. um, dude, from that point on, like from that first record, I remember we were listening to it, or at least I was going up uh, and recording the Nightmare record, and it was like fucking it was brand new to me it was like this really cool thing uh we were involved with uh, we had like like friends in the industry and stuff and man how was it like for you the first time you started touring in the in the states after being i mean whatever it was before you're just a fan of 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 music and stuff and then now you're touring and you're making deals with guys like tom wally and and andy oliphant um, I, um, in a way I felt like I was, I had prepared myself for that my whole life because I was always so dead set on touring and, uh, I knew that kind of like, I don't know if, if you know, back a few hundred years ago when some kids wanted to be pirates, they just knew that they they had sea legs before they even been on a boat. Right. 
Uh, and then I had a similar feeling about being on tour. I just knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And I wanted to be an entertainer. I wanted to be on a stage and I wanted to live that sort of lifestyle. And, um, and uh, you know, for as long as I've been able to read, I've read biographies of bands and, you know, whatever, you know, back then, this is, you know, late 80s, early 90s, obviously there weren't the, uh, it wasn't like the, the same amount of books out and there weren't the same amount of films about bands out at that time. But I saw most of what was available. So I learned a lot of the, how the business, not business, but how it works, what it's like being in the band, at least I got a gist of it just from from reading books. So like from from the controversial ones to the ones that are a little bit more boring and a little bit more factual. Um, so by the time that I, you know, finally sort of started touching upon, uh, you know, any band that was sort of doing any business, it felt like I was already like, I know this. I, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't take advice. No, uh, I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our, 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 um, as as most careers, you you is greatly uh, aided by managers and assistants and and A and R people and all that people, all these people working together. But at least I was privy. I knew what kind of components you need in order to to do this, and I also knew that in order to become a successful su successful artist, one thing you need to love is to tour. Unless yeah. you're Adele, who's like the one of the few artists in the world that has been able to do her career without touring a whole hell of a lot. Um, you need to tour. And I think that that is one thing that a lot of when you're at, a pop at least, artist. At least, today, just, at least today we need to tour. I'll talk to you off camera about how we can figure out how we don't have to tour as much. I'll, we'll, we'll discuss that later. Right, right. Well, I love to tour, so it's like, and I, I, I love to tour as well. No, I'm not poo-pooing tour at all. Just uh, you know, yeah. And the, the thing is that it, it, what I also noticed was that as much as I've, uh, you know, been a fan of of having to uh, work with uh, just being aesthetic and and create stuff, stuff, I really like the the. Um, I try to, you know, it's it's like I, I compare. What we do, our what we do, uh, being in bands, we create stuff and then we go on and repeat it. It's very similar to being a um, architect, but also a uh, construction worker or a, a, a carpenter. So you you do you do a you do a creative bit of the job. That's to draw the house and get all the you know the creative bits. But then you also have to like do a lot of permits. You have to change shit, shit in order logistics to the permit. Then, yeah, the, there's a ton of logistics, and then comes the the actual chore of physically putting the shit together, um, which is touring. Touring is very creative, uh, but I knew it can be when you do it your way. You 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 do you do the you guys do a great great job of, of touring creatively your show, by the way, I've seen pictures of it recently and, uh, it's grown quite a bit, but even from day one, when we were out on the road together, like I said, 10 years ago, whatever it was, I was such a big fan of the way that you put on a show. Like it was like, Oh my God, this is, 
this is different, but theatrical the same way. Like we have our three, our theatrics, if I could say the word, um, in our own respect, but like you do it in a very cool imagery. Like it's, it's, it's very metal. I, I, I don't even know how else to describe it. I just remember watching you guys for the first time and I was like, this is going to be huge. Anyone who ever walks into a room and sees a concert like this, they're walking away with a great memory. Thank you. Yeah, well, that's that's definitely what we try to do. And, and still to this day, it feels like we're um, trying to achieve the same thing. Um, and that's what I, I, that keeps on inspiring me because it's like my to-do list of things that I want to do and, and it's so long. I, I am so still so far away from sort of that achieving like the point where I feel like we've done everything. Um, and, uh, so therefore I, you know, sometimes I do, I do, you know, relate to, to, uh, some people that you might know of that, or some people that you might know who are, you know, into, um, you know, uh, starting a restaurant and then they start another restaurant with a new concept and then they do that. And then they just keep on building or building houses that they refurbish and sell. And then they do the next one. And you never really done because each project that you do sort of inspire you to do the next one. Right. And I like that. I like the idea of never really being done. Well, that's uh, just life. That's just, you're just talking about life right there, Tobias. Like it, creatively, whatever. Like that's just that's that's a part of life is to never be done. What what are you supposed? When you're done is when we move on to whatever the fucking next phase of existence is, or maybe it's non-existence. Whatever. I I'm not going to pretend to know anything, uh, but I will say right. like all I know is what I got right now, and until then, I'm going to keep working on shit. I think that some of the things that we've touched upon now is things that some, some people who wants to do music gets a little bit of a shock when they actually turn into music as professional uh, entertainment music. Um, that, oh, I didn't think it was going to be this repetitive. I didn't <laughs> think that it was going to be just repeating the same shit all the time. I thought, you know, it was going to be like, I do, you know, this, that, and the other, I can just, or you just reach a level where you're okay. Now I'm famous. Now I want to do something else. Um, getting famous is easy. Keeping fame is very hard. Like they, 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 they make the right. In, in, if that, if that is your, if that is your, if that's what you want to uh, do, right. So, sort of a lining of, of wanting to do this, that's one thing. And, but I think that, 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 and, and I think that that can be the letdown sometimes, you know, right. For for the longest time in my life, well, to your I, point, all I wanted to be was actually just a professional musician that didn't have to go to a regular <laughs> workplace. Right, I just wanted to be able to sort of be free and just do what I wanted. And but I know some people that are in that position that haven't had a normal job for for twenty years that are miserable being on tour. As we spoke of that, where this conversation started, yeah. Because they don't like the repetitiveness of it's, it's all about like the lack of purpose. It's like with everyone, anyone, be it 
an aesthetic person or someone who's more into normal things, whatever. It's all about feeling purpose and, you know, being content and feeling, you know, the equal amounts of mental stimulation as you get physical stimulation because one, you can't really exist without the other and, and all those things. And, and also to mix them up with, I don't think about ghosts all the time. What, you know, one, no, you got, you got kids, you got, a, you, is, got a, you got a, you got a, you got a family. Like that's not, it's not a hundred percent every day. I mean, it's, it's no, and maybe it's a hundred percent every day in the back of your mind because it's a part of your brain and it's a part of who you are, but it doesn't mean that that's your constant uh, thought process every day when you wake up in the morning. Right. No. And, and what I've, you know, what I've come to learn is that, uh, the joy and the reaping of, of everything that I've, I've achieved and all these things that I've, I have and all these opportunities that I have is, is very much like, it's just a, like a constant, you never reach that sort of plateau where everything is just, Okay, everything is perfect. No, you never do. It's you have moments, and I think every that's every walk then. in life, though. And Tobias, Tobias, every every walk in life is like that. Everyone's tr- like re- trying to achieve this, whatever it is that they do, they try to achieve this level of where oh, I made it. Now I get to like relax. It's like you get to relax when you're gone. That's when you get to relax. Like you don't like yeah. If you're if you're true about your life, and and to your point of of you know there's people who chase the money or anything like that it's like you're not chasing the money i'm not just we we do this because we love it and this is what we were put on this planet at this moment to do it's not i mean of course we enjoy the 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 fruits of our labor don't get me wrong but if those fruits weren't there i don't know about i don't want to put words in your mouth but i would still be doing what i do yeah well the thing is that one thing and and with this (laughs) Uh, this might might sound weird and strange for anyone who's not in, in, in the music business, but also going back to what we just spoke of in the beginning of the conversation, like uh, in a climate like this, when, when most people in our business have not been on tour for a long, long time, one thing that I find extreme gratitude and, and what I can find extreme balanced joy of experiencing is coming into the venue in the morning and seeing 40 people who are actually happy about being out working. Fuck yeah. They're happy about doing what they are good at. Because many of them are not good at a lot of the normal things that is on, you know, the menu of life. Right. But they're really good carpenters of, of, of doing stage stuff, stage carpeting. They might be really good at, at teching lights. They're really good at pyrotechnics and a lot of these things that they couldn't do for two years. And I love the fact that we're out doing that and people feel a sense of purpose, you know, and that's where one of you, when, and that's where, I mean, this might sound like, so the fuck what? But when that happens, when you feel that and you sort of feel that, wow, we're really here today. Everybody's happy, content. You smell good food from the catering and it's sunny outside and some people take turns, go out on the dock and just get it, you know, take a cigarette. And, 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 and I know you're not supposed to smoke, so don't. Oh, yeah. But no, if, don't if, smoke, if kids. Do. But if you do, uh, you know, smoke the right ones. No, no, no. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So I'm just saying that stuff like that is something that I've been really, you know, with age also. I think that you, I have moments like that where 
I occasionally stop from dreaming about something in the past or something that's going to happen in the future. And I just stop and like, wow, this is fucking phenomenal. Right. And there's no you, accidents man. today and everybody's here today and the show is going to be great. And that is phenomenal. And then you get a text from your son or daughter or mom or, or wife. And, and it's just like, wow, just now things are really tranquil and cool. Man. And moments like that is, that is joy. Right. That is happiness. And we're, and we're um, lucky to even have and, those and, moments. Yes. And uh, I think that that is very important, especially if you're, if you're um, a boss of a big team. And that's why I go back to what I just spoke of. Don't fucking uh, window shop tours and then let all those people down just because the bottom line wasn't to your satisfaction. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> you know? there's, there's a lot so, more. You brought up a lot more factors, dude. I, I know you got to go, so I'm going to let you go. We could, yeah. This conversation can last another fucking two weeks because I'm, I'm vibing with you right now and I'm having a, a wonderful fucking time. Let's continue this conversation in person with or without the cameras and recording down the line when we, when we cross paths. Everyone go check out Ghosts. They're on tour right now. Uh, the tour's doing great. I, 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 I know it is. You were at the O2 Arena the other night, so I know that's fucking going great. Um, so I, I just uh, want to say from me to you, I appreciate your time. I'm so happy for your success. Uh, you guys have been doing some fucking great shit for a long time now. And uh, I hope more and more people get to know you and the work that you do. No, thank you, Johnny. I mean, thank you. you. You took us out on our first American uh, arena tour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, that was a fucking thank you fun. for that. We didn't even get to get into that too much, which is exactly why we're going to have to do this again sometime. But <laughs> yes, but yes, absolutely. Uh, it, the pleasure was all ours, all mine. I fucking enjoyed every moment of watching you guys play. Uh, great fucking band, great music. We didn't even get into too much of that, but I am a huge fan. I think I made uh, one of my neighbors a fan when I was golfing with him yesterday and listening back to the entire catalog. So uh, again, kudos to you, man. I appreciate the time. Let's uh, let's keep in touch and do this again very soon. Yes. Take care of yourself. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. Have See a good you rest soon. of your night. Looking forward to it. And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Tobias Forge for being on the show. Thanks for the great conversation, Tobias. That was really cool to get to know you as a person a little more than even when we were on tour together. Moving forward, I would love to uh, have Tobias on next time he's in California in person or Rather, maybe he could take me out in Sweden and we could hang out and he could uh, show me a few things. <laughs> that would be great. Anyways, uh, that's the conversation. And until next week, as always, cheers. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Sweden is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like the rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? 
fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.